0: everyone and welcome to Chick Chat the Baby Chick podcast. I'm your host Nina Spears the Baby Chick and today I'm chatting with Devin Kunsman an ICF certified coach on a mission to transform the myth that toddlerhood is terrible. Devon empowers toddler parents to overcome the challenges of toddlerhood, nurture development, and create confidence in their skills by being the loving leader and guide through using positive, respectful, and developmentally appropriate parenting tools. As a result, parents are able to transform their parenting, their toddler's behavior, and their overall experience of toddlerhood, creating a foundation for a relationship that lasts a lifetime with their child. Devon is the founder of Transforming Toddlerhood, the host of the Raising toddler Conference and has worked with hundreds of parents across the world to transform their parenting and their toddler's behavior. She holds a degree in psychology and child development. When she isn't working with parents and toddlers, Devin can be found on her yoga mat, riding her bicycle, or drinking kombucha, not all at the same time. All of us parents have been in the situation where our toddlers are having one meltdown after the other, and we've just had it with our tantrums. There's only so much our sanity can handle that we can sometimes lose our cool. With today's guest, I'm sure we'll be leaving with some great tricks to better handle toddler tantrums with grace. So let's welcome Devin. Hi, Devin. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and excited to talk all about toddlerhood and tantrums.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, as a mom myself to a three-year-old, I am extremely familiar (laughs) with toddler tantrums. And I'll be honest, sometimes I don't handle them with grace. Sometimes I give in. Sometimes I walk away and ignore. Sometimes I yell and just lose my cool. And I feel awful admitting this out loud, but I know that I'm not alone, and I'm sure other parents who are listening can probably relate, so we are so happy that you are here to help us get through all of this, But, but before we begin, before you start sharing your nuggets of wisdom, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this field of supporting toddler parents?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'd love to share a little bit more of my story. So, I've been working with parents and toddlers for about the last 20 years. And I was like, oh my goodness, is that really the number when I was like thinking about what I wanted to say (laughs) in this podcast? I'm like, oh
0: my goodness,
1: it is. I feel like
0: like that's not true. There's no way that you could be doing this for 20 years. You're too young. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm 37
1: and I really started right when I graduated um, from high school. I started working as a nanny. For a family, when I went to college. And I think this was like really my great introduction into the toddler years, let me tell you. <laughs> but what's interesting is I'm an ICF certified coach. So I, the ICF is the International Coach Federation. So I'm a certified life coach and I also do parent coaching and I'm the founder of Transforming Toddlerhood. And I founded Transforming Toddlerhood because I saw after all my years, uh, working with toddlers directly, working with parents, that we need to change the conversation around the toddler years and dispel the myth that toddlerhood is terrible. So that's overarchingly what Transforming Toddlerhood is about. And I'm here to empower parents to overcome the challenges, to nurture their child's development, and create confidence in their parenting skills while navigating this challenging but not terrible developmental
0: period. Ah. Uh. Well, we need you (laughs) and we're so happy to have you here. So that's, that's just amazing. So, and, and before we were recording you guys, I was, I was talking to Devin and she mentioned how she really appreciated how we were talking about, she's going to be giving us some tips on how to handle toddler tantrums with grace. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think it's important to really begin our discussion around toddler tantrums with really understanding what tantrums are. And when we start to understand what tantrums are, we get to really change our relationship with them. And so oftentimes you know if we look at tantrums just as the behaviors that come up you know the screaming the yelling the throwing themselves on the floor the kicking the biting you know all the things if we just look at at it as a behavior then we start to say okay this behavior is unacceptable this is bad and we get into this like binary lens of good and bad but at their core, tantrums are one really important way that toddlers express themselves. It's how they release and process emotions and try to understand and cope with and accept what's going on around them and even their attempts at changing how things are around them. So it's just really important to understand that tantrums are healthy and normal, and it's also how children practice regulating their behaviors and emotions they have to have these meltdowns to be able to have the practice to learn the skills to be able to do this so what i was saying is that i was so excited that we're not talking about how to tame tantrums today because tantrums don't need to be tamed your toddler doesn't need to be tamed they're actually a brilliant little individual that's going through a very critical developmental period and when we start to learn the development behind the tantrums and look at all of these behaviors as communication and healthy, then we can really start to change how we interact with tantrums.
0: I love that. And when you said that when before we were recording, I was like, that makes so much sense. But when you're in the middle of this meltdown, you're just like, uh, get over it. like. <laughs> We don't have time for this tantrum or getting ready for school or whatever. So yeah, but explaining it that way that, you know, this is how they're communicating and learning and that's how they, going through those tantrums and learning how to cope with their emotions and all of that. It just makes perfect sense. So thank you for explaining to us why toddlers have tantrums. And and Devin, can you share with us, when when should parents expect this type of change or milestone to begin the for the tantrums?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it happens around, it depends, you know, every child's different, but you know, you'll start to see tantrums probably around 15 months old, definitely by around 18 months old and actually tantrums peak 18, between 18 and 36 months, you'll see the peak of tantrums and then they start to taper off around four or five years old. Typically, sometimes tantrums have been reinforced and intentionally reinforced by our responses. And so sometimes tantrums become a preferred communication strategy of kids that are, you know, older, like four or five and six years old. But even if that's happened, like you're not a bad parent, you're not doing things wrong, any habit that's created. You always can create something else. So I just want to say if, like, you know, tantrums accidentally get reinforced, it's not the end of the world. But really, in the toddler years, they peak 18 to 36 months. And the reason that this happens is because toddlers have limited life experience and they lack brain maturation especially the part of their brain, the prefrontal cortex that's responsible for impulse control, logical thinking, planning, regulation, morality, all these different things. So they don't really have the skills to process and navigate their emotions on their own. And that is just coupled with their developmental drive to be independent because your little toddler is learning for the first time what it means to be their own individual, to be separate. From their parents and caregivers. And that's what they're experimenting and exploring with. And so that coupled with the, also the frustration of not being able to do the things you see other people doing and being able to express yourself fully with language, that's where it's a perfect storm for the tantrums to peak.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh my goodness. So, so having worked with so many parents, you helping them through their situations and and really helping them understand toddlerhood and understand tantrums and making this stage a more enjoyable one for everyone involved, can you explain to us like what are the situations that usually lead children to act aggressively or meltdown or tantrums? What are the things that you've seen that's that's pretty, pretty common?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a great question. So there are a lot of things. Oftentimes what they have to do with are when toddlers feel like they don't have a sense of control. So oftentimes it transitions, like transitioning from one activity to another. This is when toddlers, they have this developmental need to have a sense of control and feel powerful. So when they don't feel that way, they can have a meltdown. Frustration around language. A lot, the way that tantrums normally begin is frustration whenever your child that's between one and two years old is beginning to understand so much language and they can't express themselves back. And so toddlers express themselves through behaviors because they can't efficiently do it through words. So definitely frustration around language. Other situations are when there's been a big change, when toddlers are disappointed when something doesn't go their way, maybe they have a plan and it didn't go their way and they're feeling some disappointment. And also sometimes it's just the buildup of emotions throughout the day. And then they come home to their safe space, to their parents, and it's the time where they're safe and they can let down their guard and let out all of those emotions that have built up throughout the day. So most of the time, it's when there's an emotional overwhelm or like the emotions build up and tip the scale and your toddler is having trouble coping. So oftentimes tantrums aren't even about the actual thing. It's about the feelings and emotions and needs that are underneath.
0: Wow. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. That makes so much sense. So when our child is having that tantrum, I'm not sure you'll, I'm sure, I know you'll clear this up for me. <laughs> I'm not sure if you handle it differently, if they're happening in your home, in the privacy of your home versus like out in public, but let's let's break it down. So when our, when our children are at home and having a tantrum, what do you recommend are the best ways to handle that situation? Generally,
1: I just, if we talk about like looking at the two scenarios side by side, generally I would recommend the same tools and techniques. However, a public tantrum has a lot more pressure attached to it. Because of you know people watching. That being said, though, sometimes tantrums at home can have a lot of pressure attached to them, especially if we're operating from a, like a time context where we're like, okay, like we have to get out the door, we have to do this, and sometimes like you know we have to get to bed or these types of things. So we can also create our own pressure without having other people around too. So <laughs> so it's just different types of pressures sometimes, but. I think the thing to look at when handling tantrums at home, the first thing to do is to let them happen. Okay? So we need to realize that tantrums are normal part of development. So if you are constantly trying to avoid tantrums with your child and like always distracting them, or maybe bribing them, or giving in, or something like this, then they don't have the opportunity to have that emotional release, and so then it's just the pressure keeps building up. The emotional pressure keeps building up, so I always say let it happen. Now, that being said, I'm also not saying that you're like egging your toddler on and saying, fine, go have your meltdown, you know, I'm not saying that either, but what I'm saying is just embrace that tantrums are part of what happens in toddlerhood, and it's okay for it to happen.
0: Okay. So should we be there with them or should we step away to let that happen? Like what, what should the parent do? Well, the first thing
1: I say around that is to create safety. So if the tantrum's happening, you want to make sure your child's safe, because if you feel like your child is unsafe, then you're going to most likely be treating the tantrum as an emergency and you're going to be in your own stress response. And so it's going to be hard to Hold space for the emotions and to really stay with your toddler and stay grounded. So it's really important to create the physical safety first. So this means like if your toddler is having a tantrum on a bed, you might move them to down to the floor. Or if they're on like a tile floor, you might bring them over to a rug. Or if they're like near a wall or a table or something you might take a pillow or a cushion and put it in between them and and the object. So just create a little bit of safety so then you can let yourself know my child's safe, I'm safe, this is not an emergency because this is the pre-work that needs to happen to be able to be with your child and do all the other things next. (laughs) When it comes to like your question of should I stay with my child or not, what's important is to follow your child's lead. Some children want to be held or need a hug during a tantrum. They need that like cuddling and, you know, that type of physical touch. Other children do not like that and it makes them even more upset. And you'll even sometimes have toddlers saying like, go away, leave me alone. I was just answering this question for someone in my membership community this morning. And when that happens, you want to say something. I hear you saying... You want to be left alone. I'm going to move over here. I'm here if you need me. Now, if your toddler starts crying harder, then it means that when your toddler was saying this, what they were actually saying was, do you still love me? Do you still accept me even when I'm a, when I'm a mess like this? So sometimes toddlers are testing,
0: they're
1: testing our love, they're testing is our love and acceptance unconditional. And then sometimes some toddlers actually really do want some space. This is where it's just really important to follow your child's lead and experiment with the amount of support. Some toddlers do better when we say, I see you're upset, you're crying, it's okay to feel upset. When we give that validation more often. Other kids thrive whenever we only say something every 30 seconds to every minute to let them know I'm still here. So you really have to get to know your toddler to see how close they need you to be, how often they need you to reassure them and validate their feelings and emotions.
0: Okay. I love that. So. To recap, we make sure that they're in a safe location. We can stay close if that's, you know, you're reading your toddler's wants and needs at that point. You can stay close or you can say, mommy or daddy or whomever, caregiver is right here. If you need me, I hear that you want some space. But letting them go through the tantrum. So what if this tantrum is like 10 minutes Thirty minutes. (laughs) When do we intervene? Like, what do we say? What do we do at that point?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, ten minutes can feel like an hour for some parents that think it's lasting forever. I actually do recommend like start a timer just so you can actually see because definitely ten minutes can feel like an hour sometimes. So, when the tantrums lasting longer, like thirty minutes, one hour, something like this, sometimes your child might need to change locations. So if the thing that's triggering them is right there, they might need to change locations to a place that's a little more, not reminding them of whatever triggered them in, in the first place. You know, so if it's like a tantrum over a cookie in the kitchen, you might need to move to like the couch in the living room or something like this. It can also help to maybe turn the lights down lower, especially if they're tired, because tantrums also happen when you're, Because it's all about the feelings and emotions and needs. And sometimes your toddler is hungry, sometimes they're tired. So you might, it might help to turn down the lights or even turn on some music that starts to shift the mood. But in the end, you really want to stay with your toddler through the end of the tantrum. And sometimes it can last an hour. You will have those one or two epic tantrums in your toddler's life that will last an hour and it will seem like an eternity. But you really want to focus on meeting them where they're at. Also, if you have been handling tantrums in a different way, like trying to avoid them or shutting down the feelings and emotions or using punishments or things like that, once you switch to this method, your toddler might have some bigger, longer tantrums in the beginning because they're really testing like, is this safe? Can I really fall to pieces and it be okay?
0: What are your tips for parents when they're having that tantrum in public? Because you know, in home, usually you have like a corner or like a relaxing space, like carpet, something to help calm them down. You can remove them from the thing that's stimulating them. But if they're, let's say you're at Target your child is in the, the cart and you have to walk by the toys, unfortunately. <laughs> you, the child is, is starting to freak out. Obviously, parents then are like, oh my gosh, I don't want this child to fall out of this cart. I am have everyone's eyes on me in this moment. How can someone handle that situation with grace?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So, when it comes to the public meltdowns, right, you're not in your home. You don't necessarily have your child's comfort objects, which are also a great thing to get during a tantrum at home. Or maybe you don't have a calming corner set up. You know, in Generation Mindful, they have a really great time and toolkit that's really great to set up a calming corner, a place to go to, you know, really help your child get re regulated. But at a store, you don't have the resources. So in general, you can take a look at, okay, what's going to happen here? Like this might be a moment where you decide to, okay, we're going to like have a little distraction here to Avoid a tantrum. Like, if you do that, it's not wrong or bad, right? You're just like, maybe you have five more minutes and you're trying to get through the store.
0: Like, it's not. You're like, here's the cake pop at the the Starbucks in the Target. Like, will that make you calm down?
1: (laughs) Right. Like, this is the thing. Like, it's like knowing that, okay. Like you did this and you're reinforcing that behavior. So it might happen again and again, because this is going to be the way that your child knows to ask for the cake pop. But guess what? You can always address that later, you know? So if you're really in a moment where you can't deal and you can't handle, it's not the end of the world. Yes. You're reinforcing the behavior and the tantrum and you can always create something different next time when you're more like in the space to be able to do that. Okay, so we can give ourselves some slack. But in the end, in these moments, it's really about focusing on what you can control when you're in a public space and you can only control your response. You can't control your child's behavior. You can't control their feelings. You can't control the other people in the store, their onlooks, their stares, whatever. And so you really focus on what you can do, which is breathing and staying grounded, then what you can do is start to maybe catch your child before the tantrum happens. And if you notice that they always have a tantrum at a certain part of the store, You might talk about it beforehand or you might have something ready to distract them or you like take a different route in the store. But, you know, you can do those things as well. But in the end, if the tantrum happens and the pressure is too much for you in that moment and you feel like that you can't stay calm and grounded with, you know, all the people and all the things it's okay to abandon your cart for a moment. It's okay to push your cart to the front of the store and say, hey, I'll be back for this and go to the car or go outside because sometimes changing the environment for yourself is going to be super helpful. And whenever you start to relax more, your toddler will pick up on that cue and start to relax as well. But if you're tense and thinking, oh no, here we go, then it'll add fuel to your toddler's tantrum because they're so connected to you and your feelings, uh, whether we want them to be or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You answered my next question, which was, I was gonna ask you, what are your tips for parents to not lose their cool during their tantrum? So you're saying, really focus on your breath, change the location if you need to, it's okay if you're out in public. And and I think that that's, that relates to tantrums at home, like catching your breath, making sure your child's in a safe location in your house and like stepping away and like having a moment (laughs) until you can gather yourself and handle it with grace, you know, when you come back, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the thing because once we create that physical safety, then we have space to create the emotional safety, which has to do with getting ourselves grounded and out of the stress response. So then we can really hold space for the child's feelings and emotions and, you know, really be with those uncomfortable, the uncomfortable moments, the feelings, emotions, the crying, it's uncomfortable. I think some other tips for staying calm during a tantrum is just to shift your relationship with tantrums to know that they're normal. My good friend, Patty Whipfler from Hand in Hand Parenting, she likes to call these tantrums and meltdowns emotional poop. Just, you know, bring a little bit of humor to it. It's like, yeah, my child's having an emotional poop. Like, here's all the things that happen to them all day, and here are the pent-up feelings and emotions that are no longer serving them. Just like your toddler eats a banana, and they take the nutrients from it, but there are some things they can't digest, and then they eliminate it. It's the same thing when it comes to emotions and tantrums.
0: That makes complete sense, and I love that that <laughs> so, analogy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a really great way to start to shift our relationship with tantrums and how we see them because most of parenting toddlers and especially during tantrums is really shifting our lens, really changing our relationship with what we're making them mean. That's a big part of it. And I have some other tips too, yeah, for just staying calm and keeping your cool is First of all, just to know it's temporary, right? Like the tantrum's not gonna last forever. And to relate to tantrums and feelings as kind of like the weather. Sometimes we'll have blue skies, sometimes it'll be partly cloudy and sometimes there'll be storm clouds. But the storm clouds never last, right? Even a hurricane, you know, might be there for like 24, 40 hours. It still eventually goes away. So just know that it's temporary, it won't last and it's not your job to fix it to make your child happy because you can't control your your child's feelings and emotions. They're their own human, their own being. You can influence them for sure, but you can't control them. And so it's really about just expanding your capacity to be with things that make you uncomfortable To not take it personally, to allow your child to really have their feelings and emotions, to give them permission to experience the full spectrum of human emotion because, you know, without experiencing the lows or the downs, we wouldn't
0: experience the ups. So, oh my gosh, Devin, I love that point. I mean, that was powerful. The, you cannot control your child's, emo- like, we feel like we control their lives. You know, we control their schedule. We control all of this stuff. But when it comes to emotion, I think that's, that's, I think what really bothers parents. That's the thing that we cannot control. So that's like a aha light bulb moment. Like this is something that you cannot control and that's okay, but you can influence. I absolutely love that. Love that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that really resonated with you. And this is what's so powerful. And I love that. Can I take this into an example, especially when it comes to like aggressive behavior and tantrums? Because we didn't talk about that yet. And I think this is probably one of the places where it's like, okay, well, I can't control them, but they're also being unsafe. Like, what do I do here? So one thing to think about is that all feelings and emotions are okay, but not all behaviors. So this really applies to tantrums. So it's okay for your child to experience frustration, disappointment, you know, any feeling and an emotion. However, it might not be okay to hit, kick, bite, things like that. So it's still okay to set the limit. And follow through on the limit in these moments when it comes to hitting, like saying, you know, I won't let you hit if your child's hitting you and then backing up so they can't make contact. Or putting a pillow in between the two of you. So that's what I would call following through in that moment. So knowing, again, we can't control, we can't control their behavior, their feelings and emotions, but we can accept them for who they are, ex- make it known that it's okay to feel all the emotions and still set limits around behavior that's unsafe.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause that's the big thing is making sure that the people, well, the people around them and themselves are are safe.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it is really powerful to think. And guess what? It allows us to give us some compassion, right? Like, Gosh, like it's not our job to control our kids and and control their feelings and emotions. And the more that we try to do that, the more we'll feel like a failure because we're literally trying to do the impossible. So really starting to know what our role is in these moments can really be empowering because when we focus on the things that are our job and that we can control and influence, it's a completely different game than trying to chase something that's not possible.
0: Right, right. Oh, this was great. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, Devin, I have more questions if that's okay. Can I ask you? Absolutely. Okay, because one thing that's coming to my mind is whenever my three-year-old is having a tantrum, sometimes, like I admitted to the world, <laughs> that sometimes I will give in because I'm just like, I don't have the emotional (laughs) capacity or sanity to handle this right now. I have, I'm a working mom. I'm working from home and I'm taking care of you. And I'm trying to do all of this stuff. Like sometimes he's like, I want another fruit snack. And I say, no, you've already had one. And then a tantrum starts happening. And then I'm like, you know what, buddy? Okay. If, if you ask nicely and whatever, you can have just one more and blah, blah, blah. And my husband will come in and he'll be like, you give in to him way too much and too easily and that's blah, 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 blah. So is it okay for parents to give in and let that child get away with what they want sometimes? Or should parents just stand their ground and always be consistent? And what I said is the law and just like follow through.
1: Yeah. So this is the thing when we set ourselves, we we, we will set ourselves up for disaster. If we look at it through the binary lens, like being a good parent doesn't mean being a perfect parent. So we can't do anything 100% of the time. We are human. There's going to be moments where we have higher resilience. There's going to be moments when we have lower resilience, depending on have we eaten? How, How did we sleep the night before? How stressed are we? You know, so the thing is, is that we won't be able to follow through 100% of the time. And it's okay. Now, the thing is, though, is that I really encourage parents to try to get out of the binary yes, no, and really look at how they can partner with their children and really get on their team and meet their toddler's needs within your boundaries. So that's where, again, I really don't like this term like pick and choose your battles because if we pick and choose our battles, there will always be a loser. And our goal is to create win-win outcomes. Now, win-win outcomes doesn't mean that we don't, like, we don't have feelings and emotions, and our child doesn't have feelings and emotions. We're all entitled to have our feelings and emotions about the way things go. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about meeting your child's need within your boundaries. So what this might look like instead of just a binary yes or no, you might turn it into a not yet or ask how. So in the case of the fruit cup, it might be something like, oh, I hear you really want another fruit cup. And we can have another fruit cup after dinner. The options now are blank and blank, you know, something like this. Or you can choose something from this drawer or something like this. Now, your child still might have a meltdown. But the thing is, is that once you're – if you set the limits consistently, your toddler will start to know what's consistent about the limit and the meltdowns will reduce. So the more that we do, quote, unquote, like – Say no and then give in, then the more likely our child is to test the boundary next time we set it. So I really recommend setting limits that only setting limits that you're willing to follow through on. That's the first thing. Sometimes we set limits out of like convenience or shoulds or things like that, which is fine, but we're probably not very committed to following through on them. So that's the first place to start is, you know, look at the limits you're setting and ask yourself, are you willing to follow through on this before you set it? That being said, sometimes you might change your mind. But the thing is, you don't want to reinforce the behavior. So what it might look like, um, like an example could be like, Your toddler's asking for something and you're saying they want a cookie and you're like, oh, we're gonna have a you can have a cookie after lunch. It's just 10 more minutes and lunch is gonna be ready, something like this. You know, then they go into a meltdown and then you're like, oh my gosh, I should have just given them the cookie, what you know. So you might stay with them and help them get past some of the upset. And then you might even say, it seems like you're really hungry. You're really hungry, aren't you? Oh, I didn't realize you were so hungry. Okay. Well, here we are. We can have half the cookie now and we can have half the cookie later. You know, something like this. Or, you know, so you can like reverse it, but you want to try not to reinforce the behavior. Do you see what I'm saying? You want to like break, you wanna break the connection between like having your child see their behavior was the catalyst for changing their mind.
0: Yeah. Because it's true. Because then they're like, oh, man, I just had to whine for a good 10 minutes and then I got what I wanted.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And well, the thing is, is that then they're more likely to do it again next time. And then once you start setting the limits... In psychology, there's this thing called an extinction burst, which is basically like, I don't know, say like back when there was a lot of vending machines places. If you put money in the vending machine, like something almost came out, but it's hanging by a thread. And so you kind of pound on it and then it falls down. So the next time that happens, you're like, oh, last time I pounded on this and then it came down. Well, you might like start pounding on it again, but now it's really stuck and it doesn't come. But because in the past you're like, oh, this worked. You're going to be much more likely to get pretty aggressive with the vending machine to get the the thing to drop down before you actually give up and say, oh, I guess it's stuck," or "I have to put in more money," or something.
0: Right. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Oh gosh. So
1: that's what <laughs> extinction bursts with behavior with a with a toddler. So just know that if you reinforce the behavior that once you set the limit, you're more likely to see an increase in that behavior the next time. And probably for a few times until your toddler knows, Oh, this limit actually sticks. And so, but that being said, if you need to change your mind, it's okay, but be with your child, help them start to get calm, get on their team, relate to them. Oh, I see you're really hungry. You really love cookies. You really love fruit cups, you know, things like this. And then see how you can either say, how can we do this or turn it into a
0: not yet? Okay. That's super helpful in those situations. Okay. Great. And, and Devin, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on time out versus time in are they both not the greatest both good i don't know and can you explain the difference to our listeners yeah well i really try when i'm working with
1: parents to help us all shift out of like this idea like is this the right thing to do is this the wrong thing to do or is this good or bad because it really can have us like second guessing everything we're doing and looking outside of us for advice for every single situation. So what I try to do and part of like helping parents create confidence in their parenting is first of all, get clear on like, hey, how do you want your relationship to be with your toddler? How do you envision it like in five years down the road? What are some things that are important to your family? What is it that you want to communicate to your child in these situations? Then from there, we can start looking at, okay, does time out or time in meet these needs? And I can say that some aspects of time out are really helpful, like removing a child from a situation that's triggering them but some aspects are not so helpful like using it as a punishment to change behavior and the fact that it breaks down connection by cutting a child off from their their lifeline in these moments because as we said before toddlers don't have the brain maturation to regulate their feelings and emotions so they need our support to do so. So if we put them in time out and they're in their room or in a corner or whatever by themselves, most of the time you'll hear your toddler start screaming even louder because we're actually, like, cutting them off from, like, the, the lifeline that they need to come back to their equilibrium.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's, that's a good one. So what, tell, tell us what's the difference between timeout versus time in?
1: Yeah. So timeout is where you, um, put your toddler in a like specific location and you're basically telling them to like, think about what they did, you know, or you put them in timeout, like in this specific isolated location for a certain period of time. And in conventional parenting, they typically say one minute per age. But the thing is, is that timeouts don't actually teach children anything different. It doesn't. And toddlers aren't going to be sitting there thinking about what they did and how they can do it differently. They're stuck in their emotional brain in a stress response in that moment. So it's actually fueling like this fear of being abandoned and not being like unconditionally loved and unconditionally accepted. And it increases feelings of resentment, frustration, and shame. And it can really send a message that big emotions or uncomfortable feelings are bad. So because it isolates a child from the adult. Now, on the other hand, a time in is where still you're removing a child from the situation, but you're going with them And you're there to support them and hold space for their emotions and to help them calm down. And sometimes that might just look like you being near them and then focusing, as long as they're safe, you focusing on grounding yourself by breathing, by counting. For me, it's sitting down because I notice that my frustration loses its its steam whenever I can't move. You know, but if I can walk and give like have like motion, it like increases the the energy of the <laughs> frustrations. But really, time ins they support your toddler in to- calming down and processing their feelings because it uses you to model the behavior and to help your toddler feel supported and moving through their feelings and emotions. It teaches that self regulation through this idea of co regulation, where the adult's helping the child regulate. It communicates your unconditional love and acceptance, and it strengthens the parent-child relationship because it tells your child that they can trust you to be there. But the really big thing is it requires a mindset shift and discipline to use time-ins. It requires us to leave behind this idea of good versus bad behavior, you know, and saying that, like, you know crying, hitting, all of this is bad and requires us to shift into this mindset that all behavior is communication and that when your child's having a meltdown, they're having trouble coping and that they need support. Then also shifting from this idea that behavior needs punishment to change it. What children need to change behavior is learning skills. They need to learn to learn skills. They need us to teach those skills. So that's it requires this this shift in and mindset around discipline. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And I feel like more people really need to sometimes it just feels easier to just put them in a corner and walk away and let them do timeout, but also realizing like, no, I need to also adjust what I've been taught, you know, what my parents did with me or whatever, and grow and understand more uh, about the, the child's brain and how they're processing things and how I can help them, how I can teach them how to process these emotions and, and all of this. So this is, this is great. This is wonderful.
1: Yeah, you know, and it, and it really it's not that our parents were bad or wrong, they did the best that they could, but the thing is in the last 5 to 10 15 years we have so much more research on the brains of young children and we have information that wasn't available when we were young and now we're realizing that we can use strat- parenting strategies that work with development instead of against it. But in order to do that, it requires a lot of growth Within us as adults to be able to execute this because we have been trained to respond in a certain way from the way that we were we were raised. And so that's why I am so big on creating safety, creating that physical safety to be able to create the emotional safety. So if your child's safe and everyone else around them safe, you actually don't have to address the child or the behavior until you have addressed yourself and getting grounded and getting calm. If you need to walk away, you need to take a break. You need to open a window and get some fresh air, whatever you need to do to help yourself get grounded. It's okay because it's not an emergency as long as your child's safe and everyone else is safe.
0: Yeah, totally true. I love that. And it's not okay. going to be
1: perfect. I also want to say, yeah. listen, it takes practice. It takes practice. It takes support. It's not something that's going to look perfect. It's all about taking small steps and moving the needle forward 1% of the time. It is absolutely okay to not do this well and to just be learning alongside your child.
0: Amazing. Okay. Okay. Devin, I have one more question for you. I promise. (laughs) So how can parents minimize this misbehavior or these tantrums before it even begins? What else can we do? Or can you give us more details on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So definitely creating expectations in advance, letting your, you know, letting your child know what's going to happen. And especially When they're younger, it helps create a sense of predictability. Whenever they're older, you can actually involve them in the conversation. Like, hey, last time, like if you have a three year old, last time we went into the store and this happened. What can we do this time to have it go differently? You know? And as your child gets older, you can start collaborating with them and solving these challenges and in preparing them for what happens next. Also, I recommend, first of all, is just to reframe the behavior. Remember that all behavior is communication. So really start to get curious about the feelings and needs beneath the behavior. Because when you start to address the feelings and needs, so like in toddlerhood, some of the developmental needs, of course, like we all have the basic needs to like be seen, heard, unconditionally loved and accepted, to eat, to sleep, to feel safe, to feel loved, all these things. But then there's the developmental needs of toddlerhood that are – Like the need to feel capable, the need to have a sense of control, to have a sense of power, the need to feel independent, to exert their will, these types of other needs, the need to experiment and explore. A lot of this is what's behind behaviors, that and then big feelings. So if you're getting curious about that and addressing these things, this is actually how you change behavior in tandem with teaching skills for coping and teaching skills for what to do next time. And it really helps build that connection for a stronger relationship. So sometimes just getting connected and validating what's happening for your child is enough to move them out of a tantrum. The next thing that I really recommend also is Observing your child, start to learn the patterns. Track the tantrums. Track the meltdowns. What's happening right before? What time of day is it happening? What happens during it? Start to learn what their triggers are. So then you can start to prevent tantrums by knowing, okay, this is what normally happens. Maybe there's some things that you can change about what you're doing to not trigger the tantrum.
0: Right. Oh, this was great. Oh, yes. So, Devin. I mean, you've shared so many amazing tips with us. Do you have any just final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners when it comes to handling toddler tantrums with Grace?
1: There's so many things I could say, but I think the biggest thing is just knowing that parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. You are allowed to learn and grow alongside your toddler, and you don't have to have all the answers to be a good parent. What your child really wants and needs is just to be seen, heard, and unconditionally loved and accepted no matter what happens in any moment, know that each and every moment is an opportunity to begin again. All you have to do is accept the invitation. You can always make amends for with how things went. There's always going to be another opportunity to practice and try. Toddlerhood's a critical developmental period. And so as long as we're starting to shift our lens around toddlerhood and what we make toddler behavior mean, then it just opens up a whole nother world of possibility to give our toddlers and ourselves some grace and compassion.
0: I love that. Oh, gosh. Okay, and Devin, where can our listeners find you?
1: The best place to see what I'm up to is on Instagram at transforming toddlerhood. I also have my website, which is transforming toddlerhood as well. And also if you're curious about tantrums in a couple of months, I'm going to be relaunching my tantrums course. It's not on my website right now because I'm actually updating and rebranding it. But in a couple of months, it's going to be ready to go. And I have a lot more tools and tips and specific things to do in certain challenges along with tantrums. there and uh, all the other offerings I have to really empower you to to really nurture your child's development and overcome these challenges while creating confidence in your parenting because in the end, yeah, I'm here to empower you in feeling confident.
0: I love it. Uh, and boy, do we need it as parents. We need as much support <laughs> as we possibly can get. And this was so helpful. Thank you for your time, Devon. I love all of these tips. And I know I will definitely be practicing them in my own home. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and answer our questions. Oh, you are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. And to our listeners out there, to learn more about Devin, as she said, visit her on her Instagram page at Transforming Toddlerhood, as well as her website, transformingtoddlerhood.com for more parenting tips and support. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or stories of your own that you would like to share, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review thank you for tuning in and cheers to less tantrums and handling them with grace